Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss All Things Urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria. I'm Marcus and uh, I'm here at the UCARE, the Urticaria Center of Reference and Excellence in Berlin, together with Melba. Melba has been working with us here at the UK for quite some time. Her favorite urticaria is symptomatic demographism. So I'm really looking forward to talking about symptomatic demographism with you, Melba. How are you? Fine, thank you. I'm very happy and excited to be here and share some thoughts about this disease, which affects a lot of people out there. Maybe some of them they don't even know. So mm. I think it's important to bring awareness, which is part of what this podcast is about. Absolutely. It is, without doubt, the most prevalent, the most common form of chronic inducible urticaria, where all of these diseases, sindus as we lovingly call them, uh, have a specific and definite trigger. And in the case of symptomatic demographism, well, well, what is it? It's scratching, rubbing of the skin, sometimes even touching or being touched by clothes. So it is friction, skin friction. And um, did I ask you already why this became your favorite uh, urticaria, Melba? Why, why is symptomatic demographism so fascinating for you? Well, I think, uh, first of all, as a physician, I like to help people. And I think urticaria is... Um, has to do a lot with awareness, telling people what it is, how we can help them to better cope with this disease. And since this is something that mostly affects people when they have it, every day, this is something that is hard for them to avoid. Mm -hmm. So I think it is one of the inducible areas where people have to be aware what they have, how can they make it better. And that's why I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice uh, disease in the sense to to be in contact with the patients and to try to help them. And I also find it fascinating when you write in the skin and you can see it. I thought for the first time that I saw it and you can write, which is um, something that you cannot believe that the skin can react in that way. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, you go to the Internet and you type in that as a Google search and you see all these people with symptomatic demographism posting their skin that they had sometimes very intricate drawings on their skin. I, I can only imagine how itchy that must be. But, of course, it's fascinating to see that the skin can react in such a way. Um, but yeah, Melba, I know I've known you for quite some time. I know you are not just um, a very caring physician, but also a very dedicated basic scientist. And so help us understand what we know and don't know about where this disease comes from. Why do mast cells in these patients go crazy when they rub their skin? And um, maybe if, if if you could also talk a little bit about the, the questions that you're working on right now to help unravel the pathogenesis of symptomatic dermographism. Yeah, these are really important questions, which um, I think most of them are not really answered. We think that uh, mast cells play a crucial role. So it is believed that when you rub the skin, when you stroke the skin, 
maybe something is modified, this change is released, and that might activate muscles. And then muscles could be activated in different ways. And in some cases, they could be histamine release, which you can see it in the symptoms with wheeling and, and itch. But sometimes they only have itch, and maybe there is also sometimes a different type of inflammatory response where neuropeptides or other mediators are released sure. uh, with different pathways that activate muscles. But I think what we do know, uh, based on one of our last studies, which is really interesting and exciting, is that we know that muscles are actually a crucial player in these disease because if you get them rid of, I mm. mean, if you get, if you can kill all the muscles in patients, then you can really uh, improve the, the the symptoms in the patients. And we have done this already with the one new um, drug that we're testing is yes. vasovolumab. And this is something that um, starves mast cells for growing and stops them and kills them because they have um, some receptors in the in the surface. And there is one particular that is very important, and this antibody blocks this growth factor, and then the mast cells are killed. And we see that gradually, as the patients uh, become mast cell deficient, which is something that um, it's also very interesting to to point out there are no muscle deficient humans. Um, so if you don't have muscles, then you don't get this disease. And these people were symptom free, at least like for mostly 10, 12 weeks where the no, this drug was um, doing the, the, the job of keeping them away from muscles. So, then definitely mast cells play a role. How these interaction with the other mediators, this is something that we need to find out. Oh, absolutely. This was a very important study and uh, it proves that mast cells uh, are what makes these patients have wheels when they scratch their skin. And uh, there's another important one, I think, where omalizumab, um, uh, an anti-IgE, helps many patients with symptomatic demographism. That's been shown in a placebo-controlled study. Not, not everyone, but a lot. So that makes us think, of course, that maybe it is like in chronic spontaneous urticaria, an autoallergic mechanism that drives the disease symptomatic demographism, at least in some patients affected. No? And I know you're looking for the autoallergen that is produced or released when the scratching happens. And that could really then lead to a cure, I think, um, where maybe we can desensitize patients with symptomatic demographism to the autoallergen that uh, neo-autoallergen, because it's not always there. They only and always have the wheels when they scratch. Well, what is it? What is that autoallergen? I think um, you have a good chance and program to identify this autoallergen and hopefully use it also therapeutically. Let me ask you also a question. Sure. Do you think that, I mean, there must be maybe some event in these people that predispose them to build these antibodies. Yes. Some of them, some patients have referred to me with 
either that they took some drugs before that started or they have an infection. Mm-hmm. And one of them actually said that they had a, some burning in the skin. To the, and, and after, I mean, he swears that after that, that started. So do you think it's possible that some sort of inflammatory events might lead to the production of these autoantibodies? I, I, it must. Something must start it. And uh, I think that's just as interesting to look into um as uh, at the end of the disease because we know that symptomatic nomographism like all chronic urticarias goes away spontaneous remission is the rule not the exception and so if we can figure out what the body does to get rid of this reactivity that could help us to emulate and and copy it uh, and use it as a treatment but i you know we do not know what drives the development of this hyperreactivity of this very specific response. And I do believe that uh, maybe infections, maybe other inflammatory uh, processes can play a major role. After all, now, many patients with symptomatic demographism also have chronic spontaneous urticaria and right. many patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria also have symptomatic normographism. So there must be a link uh, between the mechanisms that drive mast cell degranulation, at least in a subpopulation of patients with this disease. Uh, Melba, before we come to, I mean, diagnosing is easy, right? What do you do to diagnose? You use your pen, you make an X. Actually, you always use Frick test. I like that because that's a very nice dermographometer that also allows to assess disease activity. Oh, is it mild, moderate, severe disease? Um, so maybe we can uh, move to what can we do to help patients with symptomatic demographism. But I have one interesting question, or I hope it is interesting that I that I want to ask you. Um, in all chronic urticarias, patients are itchy uh, or they have a burning sensation. And this comes from, exclusively comes from wheel. When patients have the wheels, then they are itchy where the wheels happen and and, uh, when the wheels happen and when the wheels go away, the itch stops. So they're essentially never itchy outside of the wheels they develop, with one exception, symptomatic demographism. I don't know if you have this experience. I certainly have patients with this disease who tell me, look, I'm always itchy. And that's the stupid thing about it, because when I then scratch, well, then I get wheels and then become super itchy. So it is sort of a vicious cycle in these patients. And I wonder if that itch that is always there is a different itch than the ones that patients experience when their skin develops the wheels. What what do you think? Is that your experience as well? Yeah, I also have patients that have referred Um, that itch before they start scratching and of course it comes with a skin reaction it might be that these yeah these imperceptible maybe um stroking of the skin with something maybe they don't realize i imagine the clothing or um when they move they i mean i don't that would be my hypothesis that might be something that really triggers very unsusceptible for them or not perceptible Um, but it might be that also there are different types of mediators that are released I guess thinking that the muscle play an important role you believe that the muscle mediators that are 
driven by the release from mast cells have to communicate their nerves and then it could be that some of them is histamine sure. dependent and some of them is histamine independent and maybe these neurotransmitters uh, that could be released let's say substance b name one yeah. could be one of them that it also contributes to the itch in this patient but also it might be that some cytokines for example the ones that are also involved in itch sure. without a symptomatic demographics and yeah. like IL-31 maybe is also released from epithelial cells Absolutely. or something and and maybe when they have Maybe there is also some other interactions with other cells that we're not aware of. And these might come from different types of stroking of the skin. Absolutely. You, you say cytokine-induced itch. I think AL4 and 13 in addition to 31. You say substance P. I think mass-related G-protein coupled receptor X2, a, a very prominent mast cell activator. So I think that there are some connections that we still have to understand better. And I'm thinking that talking to patients can really bring us some answers. For example, I think when we continue to deplete mast cells in patients with symptomatic demographism, as we do uh, in the clinical trials ongoing, then it would be really interesting to not only look at the wheeling and the subsequent itching, but maybe also at this, well, always there, low-level itch that these patients have. Maybe they lose all of it. Um, uh, maybe it is uh, selective in that uh, now wheels can no longer occur and the itch that comes with the wheels stops. That would be very interesting. And of course, we have to look into the skin. And I know you're doing this with hollow microneedles, you know, sucking the skin juice out of these patients and doing skin microdialysis and biopsy studies. It's super interesting to see what is currently being done to understand this disease and super interesting also to see that you are um, developing tools for these patients. I mean, we have dermographometers like Frick test to do provocation testing and assess disease activity. But now or very soon, we will also have a symptomatic dermographism activity score <laughs> and a symptomatic dermographism quality of life instrument. Can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what you're doing there and how this will help and where we stand when we can start working with these tools? Yeah, um, so these are these um, patient-related outcomes that we uh, like to use because they help us to be objective when the patient comes to the clinic so that we can assess better the symptoms. So let's say the activity, that's why we call the uh, activity score. Mm -hmm. And we also um, want to assess the quality of life because these are two very related. These patients suffer a lot. They have um, impairment in all daily activities. And that's why it is so important for, for them to, to be heard, to be helped. Um, so the, the activity score is a nice tool that we want to validate. And we are in the process at the moment. Uh, we have recruited around 30 patients uh, with symptomatic demographism. It's very nice because we can see how treatment can help them. We have um, the way to, to see how the, when they come to the clinic, they have no treatment and they 
um, get better with the treatment. And so in this way, we can be objective with their symptoms. And this is, these are questions, these are 12 questions that people answered during um, two weeks, and it really helped us to, to, to measure the symptoms in the patient. And the quality of life score is, uh, um, the same, it helps us to understand uh, what are the difficulties of these patients with the daily life in terms of the activities, the sports, the life with the family, cool. at work, which uh, is something that is, is quite important for these patients. I, I absolutely agree with you. And when we look at all the different areas of life that are affected by this stupid disease, you know, um, you can't pull up your socks, you can't comb your hair, you know, even rolling over at night in your bed may be enough friction on your skin to make you have wheels and you wake up because you get itchy. Um, you talk to patients with this disease and then you begin to understand a normal life is not possible when you have this, no? You can't be touched, you can't touch, you can't. Some of these patients cannot wear clothes, at least not tight fitting clothes or wear shoes without, uh, um, yeah, experiencing wheeling, at the sites where their skin is being irritated. Horrible, really. Yeah, just like normal daily yeah. things uh, combing their hair. And also it's important for them to have a normal sexual life, for example, Absolutely. and that sometimes becomes yeah. a problem. Uh, uh, yes. All right. Um, not all patients can participate in the clinical trials with mast cell depletion like with barzal volima, um, <clears throat> but we do have some treatments today um, that already help patients with symptomatic demographics. And what's your experience? How do you approach this problem when a patient first comes to you and says, I don't know what's happening, but uh, since a couple of weeks when I scratch my skin and then they scratch their skin and you see the wheels, are, yeah. uh, I get these wheels. Um, what's your recommendation? Yeah, so we talk first um, everything that they have tried uh, before. Some of them, they don't, they haven't tried anything. They haven't taken anything. Mm. Some of them, they have tried antihistamines. And we talk about what they have um, taken. And I start with the different um, type of antihistamines okay. in a low one or two, uh, a day, twice a day. Um, if it doesn't help, then I go to the full dose okay. four times a day, okay. which is uh, yeah very similar to the guidelines of the chronic spontaneous urticaria. And if I see that the patients are really suffering and they come to the office and they already have red lines before they actually start scratching. Mm -hmm. And I can see, so I can measure their activity. I can measure the quality of life score. That's why they, they are very important. Okay. And with these patients, when I ask them, do you also have maybe a spontaneous wheels? And most most of them, they say, yeah, actually also. So, and then that's when I make the case that they have also a chronic spontaneous urticaria, and then I'm allowed to prescribe omalizumab. Okay. And I see all different kinds of response. Mostly they respond quite well. Some of them right away, from the first injection. And some of them, they need some time. I had last time a patient who said after one or two months, it's not really helping. And I was a bit skeptical, but I said, you know, let's try it. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Let's try it at least the six months uh, period. Of, <laughs> 
the period that you need at least to have before you give up. And and then he came back and he was very happy. It was gone, everything. Super. And it's also so nice to see that you do the frick test when they come to the office for the first time and everything is ready. Yeah. And then they come back and you do it again and there is nothing. Yeah. So it's like magic. Super. Yeah. Like magic. Well, great. Unfortunately, the magic um, of omalizumab doesn't work in all patients. This is why we need the programs that are currently ongoing. We talked a lot about Barzal-Volumab uh, and the great results that we've seen. But of course, we're also hoping that many of the other developments that are currently ongoing for uh, chronic spontaneous urticaria uh, will make their way into chronic inducible urticaria. I'm thinking of uh, the BTK inhibitors, for example, or Lirentelimab, um, uh, or the first uh, antagonist to this mass-related G-protein coupled receptor X2, no? or um, anti-alarmants there, uh, and Dupilumab also, no? um, because of uh, the very prominent action that uh, 4 and L13 have uh, in chronic urticaria and uh, probably also symptomatic demographism. So hopefully we will see a much bigger selection of treatments for patients with symptomatic demographism. Um, I'm looking at the time level. This is crazy. Uh, time flies. I always say that when I um, uh, have guests, uh, friends to do these episodes. It's so much fun to talk to you and um, and uh, to review. Look, uh, I have two more things that I want to touch. Uh, and one of them is a very interesting UCARE project that is currently ongoing called Prevalence D. And we do want to use this episode uh, of our podcast to also, well, plug for the uh, participation of as many people as we can reach. What is Prevalence D all about? Yes, Prevalence D is a global project that um, wants to find out how many people in the world has this disease. Mm -hmm. There are also um, different yeah, different types of symptomatic demographism. They could be mild, they could be stronger. There is also the red demographism, which also is quite common. Um, and there are people that also are not aware that they have yeah. this disease. So this tries to bring awareness and also most importantly to know exactly how many people are affected. Um, I am currently uh, the lead in this in, in Germany to find out how many people in Germany have this project. So if you uh, are willing to help us to find out, just participate. We are posting this um, flyer with the, the link to participate in the questionnaire. Um, it is very easy. It takes a couple of minutes and then you help us to know how many people has it at the moment, how many people had it in the past and how many people have the symptomatic form so that we can estimate. And also this will be important for companies to make them aware that this is an important thing and then they should help us to find out more solutions for our patients. Perfect. Thank you so much, Melba. And of course, as always, more info on the UCARE website, more information on clinical trials, including those on symptomatic demographism on the UNEF website, the Urticaria Network website. Go check it out and get more information. And um, well, Melba, this leaves me with enough time for my million dollar question. I know that you know this question because it's one I often ask. 
if you had a million dollar, and again, I'm upping it to five million dollars, five million dollars, <laughs> uh, you had to spend it on symptomatic dermographism. You can split, no, but it all has to go to symptomatic dermographism. What would you do? I would like to find out the cost, of yeah. course. Um, we have at least at the moment the technique which you already mentioned with these micro needles where we can extract some little bit of fluid. Unfortunately, it's a very, very little of that. Um, but that might help us to find out what is actually the cause of the of the reaction. Um, that might help us to to find out because we can do it before and after. And if we have the possibility to do it at different time points, maybe we can find out the molecule, the antigen, yeah. or the antibody. Which we need to do Which we need to, to develop a cure. No, in the end, let's not lose sight of the big aim, and that is to get rid of the disease. Of course, uh, we're also very interested in helping develop better ways to control the disease. And that's uh, that's good that we must do that. But in the end, basic research, finding the drivers of the disease will enable us to cure it. And that's what we dream together as a UCARE community, as uh, Sindhu lovers, um, and of course, as specialists for symptomatic demographism, such as you are. Melba, thank you so much for being with us, being with me today, all the insights that you shared on your favorite urticaria, and hopefully many of our listeners have benefited from the information that you shared and will help us by participating in projects, in clinical trials to gain more knowledge of the disease and better ways to control it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I, I'm happy, and if you want to participate, just do it. <laughs> Melba's email is all over the internet. Don't be shy. She would love to hear from you. Uh, Uticariologists or Uticaria sufferers, whoever you are out there listening to this particular episode, good things are happening in symptomatic demographism and you can help to make them move faster. So get involved, stay involved and uh, work together. We would very much like that. And with that, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode of All Things Urticaria. We won't stop, and you shouldn't either. Listen to our previous episodes and let us know what you want to be the focus of our next episodes in All Things Urticaria. What do you want to hear about? What is your favorite urticaria? Where should we go next? You can uh, email us. You can go to the UCARE office. Let us know what our next episodes should be on. Um, we'll meet again, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for tuning in, and until we hear each other again, stay healthy, be well. Bye-bye. Medthority would like to thank Marcus Maurer for that fascinating insight into UCARE. If you have any other questions regarding urticaria, please feel free to ask us via our website, www.medthority.com. Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from Medthority, have a lovely week.